Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Steve Inman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Brito. Today, we're going to discuss the struggling Dallas Mavericks, who have lost 7 of 8. Will they turn this around, or do they need to make a trade? Also, with all-star ballots now out, we'll pick our 12-man Eastern Conference rosters. But before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, buddy. You know, there's a lot, there's been a lot of talk about the all-star game, and mostly... You know, players are not happy about it. Um, that being said, it's still going to happen. We're still going to make our picks. And I really want to start with the players on the Eastern Conference. You know, I think we had similar lists. I think we're both in agreement that KD should be part of it. Yana should be part of it. Embiid should be part of it. Uh, Beal and Harden, I'm, I'm with you. I think those guys should be the starters. Now, here's where I think we kind of differ a little bit. Um, I have... Tatum making it, I mean, partly because he's also on my, on my fancy team, so some, he's been doing great for me. I know he missed some games. Um, Sabonis has been playing lights out. Um, Bam, you got to include Bam there. Even though the Heat aren't playing well, Bam has been sustaining that ship. Uh, Kyrie, Jalen Brown's been improved this year, and you can't forget Trey Young. So I think... As much as I want to see Julius Randle in there, because the Knicks are still have the record that they do, I'm not sure I'm ready to put him there yet, even though his numbers have been crazy good. Yeah, so for me, we we have the same starting five, Harden, Beal, Durant, Giannis, Embiid. So remember, it's going to be two guards, three forwards slash center. They're counting centers as forwards. They always go back and forth on, on these rosters. It seems like every other year it's so confusing, but that's the way it is currently. And then I'm going Trey Young, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Chris, is having a sensational year. I understand the Bulls are bad, but I don't think that's his fault. He's shooting 50% from the floor on 26 points a game. The assists are up. Everything is, is going well. I really believe in him there. Uh, Bam Adebayo, as you said, Sabonis deserved it. Those five, to me, were the easier ones. Now it gets hard because there's a lot of really, really good players. I went with Kyrie Irving, who if you look at his numbers, he's having an MVP caliber season. The problem is that basically he went AWOL for a couple of weeks. If he didn't do that and he was out merely for a knee injury, I honestly believe he's in this MVP race. But because of the way he went out, I think that's the reason why people are still upset with him. And I think there's a chance he misses the All-Star game because of that. And let's not forget, though, Kyrie is one of the most popular players in the league. I think he's one of those people that if you mention on conversations outside of basketball, you know who you're talking about with Kyrie. So do you for, think if for, he for does better not or get for worse. in with a fan vote, do you think if he doesn't get in with a fan vote, he could still make the roster? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, think I do, too. I, I, I had think, to talk um, myself into it for a second, but I think I do, too. The only argument – so I have Malcolm Brogdon also making it um, – he would be the guy I'd prefer to see over Kyrie just because he's been so consistent. He's been improved as well this year as well. Um, but I think right now, I mean, the the Brooklyn Nets, and this is not me. I'm not a fan, but this is like the 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 Nets right, have right. faced the Nets have faced intense scrutiny this year, and I think that everything that team does will be scrutinized for the rest of the year. And not to say that that should be rewarded in terms of how they play. But I do think that, like, the stage is a little bit bigger. And I think that Kyrie 
and this other team, the team, this team of superstars, you know, Kyrie has shown to play. Like he, 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 um, the other night he scored, what was it? 40 points against the, yeah, um, like 42, I think it was, but he, he was unbelievable. Unbelievable. He, unbel- he, he shown, he, he shined like brighter than KD and James Harden and they're on your team. So, I mean, the, the biggest question I've seen so far from fans, including myself, is you have this big three. They all need the ball. Which one becomes the Chris Bosh? And so far, it's been a different guy every night. Like you saw in that in that game where they beat the Clippers, Durant's just standing in the corner like Ray Allen just waiting for threes. And, you know, Irving is dominating. Harden's doing step back threes. And like they all can take over. But, I mean, it's been unbelievable in the way they've been able to share the ball and take different times to take over. Yeah, and it's it's truly been a fascinating thing to watch them play. I've been watching some of the games because of just just I just want to see basketball and see how that team really like develops. And it seems like this little team will find different ways to kill you every night. They they're gonna have a hard time stopping, but all you really need is a few stops, and this yeah. team has got it handled. Like they took care of business against the Clippers, so you can't discount beating the Clippers. You beat them at home, sure. They had the and, best record out out uh, in basketball going into and, the game. And granted, you beat them without Patrick Beverly, who would have probably, you know, stopped Kyrie from scoring as many points as he did. But a win over the Clippers is a win over the Clippers. And honestly, they did little, very little resistance against the Nets. And this could potentially be a finals preview. So, again, Kyrie for me has a nod. Um, if he doesn't get in, I'd like to see someone like Malcolm Brogdon get in. You know, just because you're in a smaller market doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't be there. Um, but if, if yeah. Malcolm Brogdon was playing in a bigger market, we'd probably see his name much higher and, you know, more fan voting. Yeah, I mean, again, it's I scream about it every single year, sometimes twice a year, that we need more roster spots. I mean, the NBA teams have 15 roster spots. Why does the All-Star game only have 12? This is not a time to be shortening rotations. I don't really understand it. There's so many guys who deserve this. So my reserves, Young, Brown, Levine, Irving, Bam, Sabonis. And my last one, I'm going to give it to Julius Randle. I really am. I'm as shocked as you are that he's having an All-Star season, but he's averaging six assists a game. The points are up. You know, The rebounds are just as consistent. He's shooting better. He's shooting a career-high 39% from three. You could tell he's really put in the work, Chris. And like – I expect him to regress somewhat as the year goes on, but for now he's playing at an all-star level. And you said before the reason you didn't pick Randall is because of the record. The the reason why I'm giving him this bump is because of the record, because the Knicks are playing their best basketball in eight years. They have 10 wins already, Chris. They're 10 and 13. They're right on that playoff race right now. And look, it's, it's going to be tough. If I had to guess right now, I'd say he doesn't make the team and that somebody drops out the week before and he makes it that way. I think that's how the Knicks got David Lee on their on the roster about 10 years ago. That was kind of a big deal for us because I was like our first all-star in like 15 years at the time. It was a, a crazy, crazy time in Knicks basketball. Just like now, for me, it's tough because Brogdon has an excellent case. I kind of went with, you know, if you try to get at least one pacer on, they've had a great year. I put Sabonis over him. Brogdon is an excellent player, one of the most underrated players in the game, and we're underrating him by, by me not putting him on my roster. Tatum was the one that I'm 
if I had to add one guy, I would put him next. I just thought, you know, the missing time really hurt him. And, you know, he's only played 15 games this year so far, Chris. And uh, it's a similar number to Kyrie Irving. And I had to basically compare Irving and Tatum. And I said Irving has played, you know, much higher basketball, much better basketball than Tatum at this very moment. Uh, I expect Tatum to continue to make that push and to eventually get onto this roster. But there's so many guys who really deserve it who aren't going to get there. We didn't even bring up Colin Sexton, who's having a, a really fun year in Cleveland for them. And, you know, there's there's him, there's Middleton. There's so many guys who deserve this, and that's why we need three more spots, Chris. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Stevie. And we were talking about it before the show. There's like – there's a – there's – which probably which speaks to the talent level right now in the NBA that w- with a vast majority of the NBA maybe 29 or 28 of the 30 teams are all like all within striking distance of being playoff teams right and with that a lot of players have improved this year you know we've seen it with Christian Wood we've seen it with Julius Randle we've seen it from Levine we've seen it from a bunch of guys that normally aren't in the all-star conversation which really bodes well for the future of the league, but that's a different discussion. At the same time, you know, a lot of players have come out and are against the All-Star game itself. You know, we've heard from a bunch of, you know, Western Conference guys like uh, like LeBron James, who said it was a slap in the face. You know, um, Fox. Darren Fox. And it, it really begs the question, should should we even have this 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 game? You know, considering everything yeah. that's going on, and it, it it comes across to me as a money grab, but, you know, I'm sure that a, a large, you know, I'm sure that some of it will go to charitable places and whatnot. But judging by the environment we're in right now with coronavirus killing so many people, you know, leaving people with, you know, dangerous and life-altering side effects do we need to have an all-star game i don't see the point for it but just wondering what you're thinking yeah i mean we've had this discussion before whether it's you know off air and we both agree the roster is necessary we believe that having an all-star roster having the discussion guys have bonuses in their contracts for making the all-star team you know it's a big recognition award i believe absolutely we should always have an all-star roster i also believe we do not need an all-star game this year. You don't believe we need an all-star game this year. Putting the most talented players in a league of talented players in one spot where all of a sudden if one player has it and it spreads to everyone, you're talking about franchise players you know, throughout the country out of commission for weeks at best. I really don't see a need for the all-star game. We both agree on that. My question is this, though, Chris. Sure. This is something that the owners didn't just say and, and Adam Silver say, OK, we're having an all-star game. We need the cash. They didn't say that. They went to the players. The players approved this in Atlanta. And now I'm here. We're hearing De'Aaron Fox criticizing it. LeBron James criticizing it. If LeBron James is in these meetings, which I believe he is saying, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. It's a slap in the face to players. So it is doesn't, it, a pu- it doesn't so get is- through. I don't really understand, Chris. So Why? is this public stance up? So is this public stance a PR move for you? It, I, I'm, I don't really know what it is. I, I mean, it could be, but like it's weird because this reminds me a lot of what went on with the bubble, where basically the players almost unanimously approved of this bubble, 
and then unanimously basically approved of going back to play after, you know, what happened, you know, with, with Jacob Blake. But at the same time, you had players complaining, a lot of players complaining that they shouldn't be doing this. It's not the right thing to do. So are these players not having their voices heard in these meetings? Is the, you know, NBA PA just coward, cowardly against the owners and doing whatever they wish? Like, what is going on here where the players don't feel comfortable speaking their minds in these meetings, but then in a very public setting? feel much more comfortable saying this is the dumbest thing we've ever done or it's a slap in the face. Like what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the only reason players would want to have an all-star game is to have that designation for their, for, for a future contract or an extension in the future. Um, so it doesn't really make sense to me that, you know, you could have the designation without the game. You know, people right. are still going to vote. For sure. People are, people like are still going to vote. They're going to now do a three-point contest and a, and a dunk contest they're, they're planning More on people. now. And again, th- those are things that the players approved. Yeah, something's fishy there. You know, I'm curious to see what happens when, you know, when we get closer to the, to, to the actual event. You know, you have to make sure the players are quarantining and, and for, you know, tested negative days ahead. Then what hap- what happens if Thursday or Friday night you have a player testing positive and he's with a lot of players? Then what? Then you have no game. So yeah, I mean we've had games get shut down almost every day through contact tracing and positive tests, and now all of a sudden you're going to have all these superstars in one spot, and if one of them gets I, positive, it's I would not I wouldn't be surprised if if players decide not to go. So De'Aaron Fox said that, and he basically said, if I'm picked for the game, I'm going to go, because if not, I get fined. So I would assume, oh, shoot. you know, all guys would be like that. I mean, you know, that's the NBA should expect that. <laughs> yeah. um, and rather than avoid the public embarrassment of having a, multiple players say they don't want to play in an exhibition game, just don't do it. <laughs> right. And people, people who or with the All-Star game have basically said, well, what's the difference between this and playing regular games? It's just adding another game to the season. Well, the, the issue is you're going to have a lot more people in the area because it's an All-Star game. You have the biggest stars in one place. You're also going to probably have a three-point contest and a dunk contest. So you're going to literally have, you know, twice, three times as many players in the arena that you normally would. So it just adds more, more problems. And, I again, the roster is necessary. We both believe that it's great content. It doesn't harm anyone to have an all-star roster, but it could potentially harm people to have an all-star game, which is why we're both we don't agree with it. We'll both watch it. We'll both enjoy it if it does wind up going on. But at the same time, it probably is an unnecessary risk. Oh, it totally is a necessary risk. You know, that's that's uh, yeah. that's. It, it's an that's the best way to put it. It's a necessary risk, you know. If what if your player gets COVID while he's over there? I mean, granted, a player can get COVID anywhere, but if he gets the virus somewhere in Atlanta, then then you're you don't have him for a few games, and it's a shortened season. And let's assume for the worst, he misses five to ten games when he comes back, right? That could potentially put you out of the playoff race. There's not that many games this year. 
Anyway, granted, the same. Okay, granted, the same thing could happen if he were to have an injury and an all-star game any other year. But we're in a public crisis, a public health crisis. There's no need for an all-star game. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Next week, we'll do our Western Conference All-Stars. It'll be a lot of fun. Again, somebody's going to get snubbed who's pretty good and having a very good season. But for now, let's move on, Chris. The team that's been in the talk the most this week is the Dallas Mavericks, who are 9-14 at the moment. They're out of the Western Conference playoffs at the moment. Obviously, you and I all have a rooting interest in them failing. We get their yes, pick. Yes, we do. You know, I was telling you before the show, I just clicked on Tankathon. Clicked it one time, and the Mavericks came up first. We get that pick unprotected this year, Chris, which is very un-Nick-like. Knicks are usually the ones to give up their picks unprotected, not the other way around. But from a Mavericks perspective, you're a Dallas fan. You're a person who is not against them succeeding. What is your panic level right now, 1 to 10, 10 being the highest? Uh, it's tough to say. Um, I think in regarding with regarding the Mavs in general, I think the Mavs are are right now facing the burden of expectations. Right, we all expected them to be a top four, top five team in the NBA, and they've fallen short of those expectations. Granted, they've they got hit with the COVID bug, and KP has been injured. He's been KP has been looking nice though the nice the last few games. Um. But as far as as far as that trade, you know, as far as I need a as, number though, Chris. I need a number. Panic okay, level so, one to ten. Okay, fine. Panic number for the Mavs. I'd put it at a six or seven if I'm the Mavs. Okay. Because okay. of what I because of what I just said, the the burden of expectations. Like imagine, imagine this year not making the playoffs. That pick that you traded for with KP and whatnot goes to us. That potentially could be a franchise altering player, and so. I'm going to put it at a seven. They need to make a trade. They need to improve. They need more shooters on that team, and they don't have any. I mean, they don't have as many as they used to. You know, losing Seth Curry was huge for this team. Granted, if the team goes on a six-game winning streak, it could be a different conversation. But can we honestly look at ourselves and say that the Mavericks have enough to even get past the first round? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, for for me, my panic level is a four. I, I there's some concern there. The defense is not very good. I question how much is around Luca. You know, Porzingis to me is is a great number two in this league, but he just can't stay healthy. And he's always no. seems like he's battling back from some injury and trying to recover from some injury and get better from some injury. That's an issue. Josh Richardson, I kind of like that trade for both sides. Steph Curry for Josh Richardson. At the time. I did too. I think I Richardson's been pretty solid, but they miss Steph Curry. Really miss having another shooter on the court. It's been tough. You know, Luke has been, you know, double teamed. I also think a lot of their losses, they had that six game losing streak. I think a lot of those losses were very fluky. You know, they had a game against the Suns where Devin Booker just, you know, floats up a three at the buzzer, you know, with one second on the clock to win that game. And then Luka nearly won on his own crazy buzzer beater. So I, I'm not too concerned. It's still a short sample size. We're slightly under, you know, a third of the season. They've also had a lot of COVID issues on that team. And, you know, obviously Porzingis has been hurt. If they can get them all healthy, I think they're at least as good as they were last year, which was, what, a seven seed. So if they play that level of basketball, I think they can get back to 500. I don't think they're more than a first-round team at this moment. They're going to need to make a trade, you know, to do that. 
you know, we'll, I, I have a guy in a final thoughts, I think, who would be a very good fit for them. We'll get to that later. But basically, sure. uh, right now, it's, it's a middling team with an extraordinary player, and they got to figure out how to build around him better, and they got to figure out how to get better defensively. And fast. Um, fast, and, yes. And, and, you know, I was watching the Warriors-Mavericks game last night. Grant, the Warriors have no, have no big men. Had no big men last night, yet they... Wiseman's hurt, Looney's hurt, they're both out right. several weeks. Right. And they obliterated the Mavericks. Obliterated. The Mavericks have KP. The, the, they have big men who could potentially, like, provide a gap for... for well, against, I mean, Porzingis is not a big man. Like, we've seen it. Like, he's a he's a, a seven-foot-three guard. Like, that's really my, what he is. My whole point is, like, there's really no one on that Warriors roster who could contain KP. And granted, Draymond Green is is one of the best defensive players, but KP, you know, there was one shot in the post that he had last night, and one of the Warriors players had his hand over his face, and like he just scored no problem. No, so that that's his thing. He shoots over the top. It's it's fun to watch. Right. Anyway, I'd love to see the Mavericks. I mean. I don't want them to make a trade. I want them to keep losing. But if if they want to make a run in the playoffs, they need to address that roster because that roster is trash right now. Um, but, but my question with the trade real quick, though, is we have their picks. The Knicks have yeah. their picks. So it's like what – like the guy I think – well, I keep teasing this. The guy I think who they should go get, I don't really know how they're going to do it because like they don't have the assets really to go out and make a move. Unless you're talking about potentially flipping Porzingis. We'll get to the Porzingis thing in a second, but I want to talk about Luka himself for a second. Because Luka Doncic last year, as a second-year breakout player, Chris, he could walk on water. He could do anything he wanted. And now this year, I have I found this amazing quote from Zach Lowe from the Low Post Pod, one of my favorite podcasts other than this one, of course, where he says, quote, Luka has become one of the biggest whiners in the NBA. It's constant. Every time he drives, he is whining. He spent so much energy whining to the referees and slumping his shoulders to teammates. It sucked the life of the team many times, end quote. Chris, do you believe this is a cause for concern? Or is this a classic, the team is struggling, they've lost seven of eight, here's something negative about them when it rains a force? No, um, I'm not concerned about Luca at all. I think Luca is, from what I've seen, he's been a player who's very passionate on the floor. And in terms of whining... Like, of course you're going to whine if your team is losing. It would be worse if you, you didn't say anything. Like, it. granted, granted, you should probably have a positive outlook, but when you're losing, it it, it sucks. But point being, point he being. He means whining during the losing streak. I think he means in general. That's the way I took it. Whining, complaining, these are all similar synonyms and... I think that if you're not at least calling it out, then, you know, of course, you, you should be saying you should be verbalizing what's going wrong. I don't think there should be a culture of not saying anything or not being appeared to not being affected. It's a, it's affecting him. He's a winner. So I don't I think it's a very powerful quote. Granted, I, and I have a lot of respect for Zach Lowe, but there's really not much to it. This guy's always trying to make winning plays. And. Right now, his 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 the roster he has around him is is clearly facing a talent deficit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I don't think this is a big deal. 
as you kind of said, the best guys in the NBA do this. You know, how often do we are we watching a TNT game and LeBron James is whining to a ref? You know, James Harden does it. We've seen Trey Young do it a ton of times. If, if anything, if the anything. guys who get the guys who get criticism mm-hmm. for it are not are not LeBron James. It's the Trey Youngs. It's the James Hardens. It's the guys who have not won games in big yeah. spots. If anything, now we're if, seeing this with Luca. If anything, it's it's part of his superstar quality now that he's complaining yeah. so openly now. Oh, you're right. That's that is the the quote of the podcast for sure. I really believe that if he was winning, this would not be considered a bad thing. This would be considered quote unquote crafty. This would be a a smart veteran move. But because they're not winning, oh my God, he's slumping his shoulders. He's crying to refs. He's sucking the life out of the team. And look, they're they're gonna figure it out. I I am more bullish on their talent level around Luca than you are. I think I I still think Porzingis is a good number two. I really do believe in Josh Richardson and. You know, I, I still like Dwight Powell. I think he's a guy who he's coming off the Achilles, you know, significantly earlier than most guys. He's at, I think he's like seven months, eight months away from that Achilles at the time. So he's a guy who's going to keep getting better. And again, you know, they, they brought in, you know, guys like Green and Terry out of the draft, both guys who I like a lot. I think as the season goes on, they might get some reps and look, it, it's not a championship team by any means, but I think they can get back to where they were. And not that I'm hoping for that, but I really believe that's to be the case. But for now, they're 9-14. and 14. They have a, a lottery pick coming to the Knicks. Has this KP trade that we've complained about for so many times, has that shifted at all to you? Oh, yes. It's starting to look a lot better. And certainly after it happened, we weren't, we weren't exactly praising it. But, you know, as our good friend says, as we often mention on the show, you know, I think – you can't really decide how good or bad this trade was until you know what those players turn into. And right now it's shaping up to be a lottery pick in a draft that many consider to be one of the best in the last 20 or so years. Honestly, I'm so excited because for two reasons, the Knicks are clearly developing a culture because of, because of Thibodeau because of the players they have, the hard-nosed, gritty guys they have on the team. And granted, they're not winning as much as we would like, but they are showing incremental improvements each game. You know, you're starting to see more out of guys who will likely be part of the future, like quickly, like R.J. Barrett, like Mitchell Robinson. And these, these things probably wouldn't happen without that trade. Probably, 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 right? Because you, you'd still have KP, assuming you you sign into a long deal, or or maybe who who knows what the scenario would have been. But that's our scenario currently, and you know, right now it's looking like the Knicks may may be actually looking good in this trade. We might end up yeah. being one of the top guys. But to me, but Chris, Chris as, go ahead. But as I know, you're. The point of your ire is really the hull, right? It was never Correct. about what the pick Correct, was. Correct, 100%. And again, if you told me, hey, Porzingis is not going to hold up physically. Porzingis doesn't want to be here. Porzingis isn't worth this money. I, mean, I don't really believe the last part, but I would have said, okay, you can move him. But I personally believe, and I still believe this today, that they moved him and as quickly as they did because they were trying to 
you know, get out of this situation before the brother in him started demanding trades. And they mm-hmm. thought it was going to hurt their leverage. They thought it was going to hurt the organization for other free agents. And they panicked and they traded him for a guy in Dennis Smith, who the game before faced the Knicks and had a triple double. He's now in the G League. And two picks, one of which is protected heavily in 2023. And the other one right now, which shockingly through 22 games is looking like a lottery pick. And we don't know what this haul is going to be because, you know, we don't really know what those two picks are going to become, whether they are lottery picks or not. We don't know what the Knicks are going to use those picks on. If all of a sudden this new regime uses those picks on a guy who doesn't succeed, does that hurt the Steve Mills Scott Perry legacy in terms of what they traded for poisoning this. What if they trade? What if that pick be, you know becomes the seventeenth pick and they they get the, the steal of the draft? Like we don't know what any of this is yet. All we know is Porzingis is not playing as well as you and I thought he would when that trade happened. But at the same time, this is not an albatross contract. If they decide we're not going to win with KP, let's move him. They can move him tomorrow without you know losing assets. So to me, nothing has really changed in this trade. No, no, but it just improves our outlook on what the trade will be for us because we can't we can't harp in circles anymore about what the hall should have been or what KP ends up being. The focus now is how the Mavericks will perform the rest of the year and what that pick becomes. And yes. so right now it's looking a lot better for us. There's still a long way to season to go. They still they still have, you know, two-thirds of the season to pull this thing around for one. And then the Knicks have to draft the right guy, which is two major hurdles. So, yeah. so far, nothing's yeah. really changed for me. And, you know, with the exception of R.J. Barrett, the Knicks have shown that they've done a lot of missing in the early first round. You know, yeah. we got lucky We got lucky with Mitchell Robinson and, and quickly. Um, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett has been promising, but yeah, no, RJ Barrett is promising, but I'm not really giving them a ton of credit for that one. And I'll tell you why, because we all said it's a three man draft, the three man draft. They got the third best third. player. They, they, they picked him third and question, 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 real quick, question, real quick. We should have taken third. Go ahead. Question real quick. Would you still pick RJ over? I would not Zion take I wouldn't. Oh, you were to say Zion? Oh, I would take yeah. Zion over RJ, of course. What are you talking about? Okay, I'm just wondering. Trying to see where your loyalty lies. I know, I, Zion's star is, is falling slightly because the defense is, is very poor, and he's not the franchise changer they thought they were getting at the moment. But at the same time, he's still a dynamic offensive player who would be, you know, changing the Knicks for the better. And I like RJ. I think RJ has gotten better this year. The shooting is better for sure. And I believe he is going to have an, you know, a, a career, you know, where he makes an all-star game or two, which is very special, especially a guy you home grew. Um, that being said, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think they should be celebrating that pick because I'm not sure if he's going to be as good as you expect from a third overall pick for one. And two, again, a three-man draft. They had the third pick. They took the third guy. Like if not, it wasn't rocket science what they did, you know, and I still don't, I still think if you said when all said and done and we compare this draft, that 2019 draft is, is he, is he the third best player on the board? 
you know, five years from now? I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. He still could be, but like, I, I'm not throwing a parade for drafting RJ Barrett in his career 40% shooting yet. <laughs> like, I know well, I sound like a hater. I know I, I know said, I do, but I mean you are a hater, but it's okay. I'm still your friend. That's good. At at but okay, listen. At the end of the day, we have pieces, which is paramount to what yes anything else. We have pieces that are shaping to be shaping shaping what this roster will look like in the future, and I'm loving what I'm seeing. But as far as the Mavericks are concerned, like. It's fun to root for them to lose because they're expected to win. Agreed. But, you know, next year we can we can root for them again. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you there. I, I'm 100% in agreement. Every day I'm like, okay, did the Knicks win? And then did the Mavericks lose? Those are the two things. And I also look for my Wizards because I got that stupid bet on them, which is not working. But it is what it is. Uh, we hope those those three things continue. Knicks win and uh, the Mavericks lose and the Washington turn things around. But uh, after this, we will get right back to the show with uh, a special trade, I think, of an all-star caliber player who uh, should be the next star to go. That is not Bradley Beal. We'll get to that in our final thoughts right after this. Okay, Chris, final thoughts time here. I want to talk about the Chicago Bulls. This is a, a really strange organization. You know, they've been a team with a lot of really good pieces the last few years, whether it's Levine or Kobe White or Carter or Laurie Marketed. And just together, it seems like they're worse. The roster is worse together than those guys spread apart. If you took all their pieces and said these guys are all available, they're going to have a bidding war for all their guys, Chris. At the same time, it just hasn't translated to wins in Chicago. So I'm curious what you think, because I personally believe that it's time for them to trade Zach Levine. It's been a few years. He's having a career year. I don't think his his you know trade market's going to get any higher. He's shooting what twenty six points a game on fifty percent shooting. Uh, he made my fake All Star team right now, and this this <laughs> team is not very good. They they've done the coaching change, and they all hated Boylan. They have you know Billy Donovan in there now, who's regarded as a much you know better coach who's had success in this league. And at the same time, the roster has not really improved in terms of a wins and losses situation. Okay, so here's my take with Levine. I was watching him the other night, and I'm just so amazed that he's such a he's such a great scorer, right? But he doesn't do much else. So he'll definitely put put up points on the board and open it up for everybody else. But I'm not seeing a lot of assist a lot of assists, I guess, in a I guess it's not really his his uh, his job to do that. I guess, but you know, there's. I mean, he's he's, he's clear, averaging he's, clear, he's averaging a career high five point two assists. Granted, okay, and so they don't really have like, a tra- they don't have a traditional point guard, so it's like I feel like they rely on him to run the offense, where he's probably more of as you said, he's 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 a shot maker. He's not, he's more of a secondary creator than a primary creator, and I think yes. that's really what this team is missing. And. And maybe rather than trade him, you find a point guard that can actually run the team and have Levine pick his best spots, you know, so that offense becomes more efficient. And because, you know, Chicago has a lot of defensive issues. And part of and part of that is because, you know, the shots that they take and then that impacts the other end of the floor when it comes to setting up their defense. So I think. 
if they're ready to move on from Levine, they need to look at which I don't think they are. Right, neither am I. But if they are, they need to seek someone who can actually run the offense because you're essentially running that team right now with with two starting shooting guards, uh, with with your with your boy with your boy Kobe Kobe White. Yeah, and I like Kobe White. I think, you know, he's a guy who's going to have a very long career as a six-man spark plug scorer. Um, he's going to have to get his shooting up. He's around 40% so far in his year year plus in the NBA. But Levine, Chris, $19.5 million this year, $19.5 million next year than a free agent. I think he's the perfect fit as a secondary creator and a shot maker in Dallas. You put him with Porzingis Ooh. and... Luca, I think that trio is one of the a, a top four seed out west. And if it doesn't impact Who's, winning, then you can say, okay, it's Levine. But at the same time, I know what you're going to say. I have no idea what they could trade to make that work because they don't have their picks. Who's their third? Who's who's their third best player? Josh Richardson, Max Claiborne. Dallas? Yes, Josh Richardson. Hmm. was not bad, but like th- those are guys who you're. You're not getting Zach Levine for those guys. You know. Okay, what if it's a trade like Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr. I believe he's on the last year of his contract. Yes. You get him, Jalen Brunson. You throw in Josh Richardson. Swap right, swap out rights for next year. Not this year, but the year after that. Swap out rights two years from that, and then yeah, offer it's like. Not, what, it's, it's, it's not gonna work. Yeah. I keep. I'm trying to think of a trying to think of a scenario, but it doesn't work. You're right. No, but there, there's something there. I wonder if uh, you know, Denver could make sense. Would they entertain a Levine? I don't know if they give up Porter. I don't, but they have other interesting young guys. That's going to be something interesting to watch. Um, I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up Levine for Porter. Um, I wouldn't give up Levine. Porter for Levine if I'm Nuggets. I don't know if I would either. It's. It's tough. I mean, does Miami make sense? They they got Precious Achua. I don't think they would give up Hero in that deal. But, like, could you do Precious Achua and maybe Duncan Robinson? <laughs> Something like that. You could add some shooting and some toughness inside. You know, they just get shoot apart defensively. You know, you saw the Knicks, who are dead last in the NBA in scoring, just ripped them apart the other night, the Bulls. And, you know, the Bulls came back in the game. But at the same time, the Knicks put up a big offensive, you know, scoring night because Wendell Carter their big defensive anchor has not been healthy for his three-year career and eventually you got to either pay him or move on and I wonder if uh, a guy like Achua could be a you know get a big role in Chicago you know in a Levine swap and then you have you know the Miami Heat with Levine Bam and Jimmy Butler along with some pretty good depth guys like mm-hmm. Drogic Hero so I don't know. There's something there. They're going to have to figure out what to do with him soon because, again, he's got a year and a half left on his deal. He's had a lot of problems with some of their coaches over there. He's only 25 years old, Chris. But at some point, you got to start winning. And he's been in the NBA a long time now. You know, this is what, year seven in you the gotta, NBA? You got to feel seven. for him. Yeah. And he's never yeah, been man. close, basically, to a winning team. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I think. He's gonna probably let the season play out. I think what ends up happening is that no one gets he doesn't get traded during the season. He probably gets he'll probably demand for a trade in the off season. I think so too. That that's what, but it's something to keep an eye on. It's only a few months away now, Chris. The off season starts and end in July. It's only five months. 
So yeah. he's he's yeah. definitely a guy worth watching, and he is that good, Chris. His PER right now is 21. That's playing at an all-star level. 50% from the field, 40% from three, 26-5-5. Five five. He's, he's a much better player than people give him credit for. The question, though, is does he impact winning? Does he? I don't know. I don't, we're we're going to have to I find out so. in the next couple of months. But uh, is there anything you want to talk about before we wrap up the show? No, buddy. I'm – I'm I'm curious to see what what ends up being. I know it's a, a frequent topic of discussion between us, but I'm curious to see what happens with with Emmanuel quickly and eventually when he gets into the starting lineup. You we talked about it off air for a little bit, but you were mentioning how you know I had said that quickly should start shouldn't start because of how well he's working with the second unit and at least with the first unit. Alfred Payton is really just a distributor, and Randall is really running that offense. And so it gives opportunities for R.J. Barrett. But at the same time, you ha- then you have Emmanuel Quickly, who- who's lighting up, you know, basically second units throughout the league. Um, anyway. It's crazy. it's crazy to me, Chris, that we went from having this discussion every day last year, basically, about should Mitchell Robinson be starting and the people who are pro Knicks coaching said it's not about who starts, it's about who finishes the game, which often wasn't Mitch. And they were playing guys like DeAndre Jordan and uh, – they're not DeAndre Jordan. That was two years ago. DeAndre Jordan two years ago. <laughs> Taj, Taj, they're all the same year to me. Taj Gibson last year. Guys who are not really part of the long-term future of this club over these young guys who they need to be evaluating. And whether you believe – quickly is better for the starting unit or the secondary unit wouldn't you want to see him in both spots wouldn't you want to see what his long-term potential is because again what's the upside of this team that they make the play so okay don't you want to know what he is i do want to know what he is i just think listen if he starts tomorrow night i'm going to be the happiest person in the world but that being said i also see the argument for him to be coming off the bench at the moment at the moment at the moment Mostly because let me tell you, me tell you the reason wait, wait, why hold on, hold on. Aiton let me, should let, be in the second unit. Hold on, let me just finish. The reason why I don't think that I'm in a rush to change anything is because he's doing so well in the current role. If we get into another skid like the one that we're current, like the you know we tend to win some games and then lose a lot more, that should be an opportunity for quickly to start because clearly whatever's working isn't. What's doing right now isn't working. So in a way, I'm sort of waiting for that next losing streak because then it's then it should be really clear that it's not working with with um, with with Peyton. It should be it should be quickly starting. No, I get it. I mean, it's tough because just while quickly it's excelled in his role, I feel like Alfred Peyton has really struggled in his and. What's more important right now, to me, the most important is the guy who's playing the most minutes. And Alfred Payton is playing 28 minutes a game. He's taking majority of those point guard minutes. And I think there's a bunch of guys on this bench, whether it's Toppin or Knox or, um, you know, got Burks to a degree. Guys who can make shots, can hit shots, have smooth three-point strokes, but kind of need help setting up shots. Can can use a point guard of Alfred's caliber in terms of setting up an offense to set up that offense to get those guys in position to make shots and 
the the starting unit that he's he's with right now, RJ, uh, Mitch, you know, Randall, those are guys who aren't hitting too many jump shots. They're not hitting three-point shots other than Randall this year. Like, Mitch is not doing those kind of things. Alfred is not really setting up Mitch for alley-oops. You haven't really seen that. You've seen quickly do that. So, for me, I would just flip their roles, see if it works, and if you don't think it's a significantly better upgrade, just switch them back in a couple of weeks. You're allowed to do that. Okay, so I just think the issue is there's really not Okay, say you put Alfred Payton in the second unit. Those other guys can't if what if they don't hit shots? You well, have they, no reliable you have no reliable scoring option. And then you you go back to your stars. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's, that's I think that's really the reason why quickly isn't starting because like there, a case could be made that you know, 50% of the time, the Knicks bench unit is just as good as their starting unit. Well, that's also because quickly, yeah. Right. So if, if you can just blitz teams to start the game, you go quickly, Barrett, Burks, okay, Randall, but then you, Mitch. But then, but then you let, but then you let opposing teams catch up with your second unit, then that defeats the whole purpose of everything. Yeah, but how often are the second unit playing big minutes? I mean, this is Tom Thibodeau, Chris. This is a team that's playing their guys heavy, heavy minutes, the starting five. He doesn't really go 10 deep. So it's... He's gotten better about that, though. It's not not the first unit. I don't think he has gotten better. Obi Toppin barely plays. Kevin Knox now out of the rotation as a third-year, eighth overall pick, or ninth overall pick, excuse me. I... Look, we got off on a tangent here. I, I believe that I'd like to see it quickly in that role to see if he can be a starting point guard in this league. Do we need to go out and give Kyle Lowry, let's say, $20 million a year as a free agent? Do we need to go find another point guard in the draft? It's worth exploring, but topic for another day. That's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, I thank you so much for joining me here. Thank you, Again, buddy. on our on our next show, we're going to do our Western Conference picks. I'm very excited to uh, complain about less roster spots, as always, and we will see you soon. <laughs> Bye, everyone.